1: 6:30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at 6 on 6:30 chad well man that's sad news today brian anderson has passed away at the age of 78 such a huge impact in edmonton as a teacher as a coach and as a city counselor affected a lot of people's lives i talked to a few people today who uh who knew Brian were coached by him or just knew him from the, the football community or the political community and so many positive things I, I heard about Brian. Uh, we're going to have Tim Anger on the show in about 10 minutes from Football Alberta who played for Brian Anderson in the early 80s at Harry Ainley and Tim Anger has gone on to be the executive director at Football Alberta and he'll talk about Brian's impact on him personally and uh, also on, uh, on sports and football in Edmonton and in the province. Really sad news. Uh, I, I got to know Brian a little bit through through doing this job, and the, there was obviously a crossover between sports and some political decision making when uh, Roger's place was well not even being built when it was under debate for whether or not it, it should be built, and uh, and Brian Anderson came into studio one night and, and did an extended segment with me and and answered a lot of questions. And um, there were a, a lot of things coming up about the arena and the arena deal that uh, that he wanted to uh, that he wanted to clarify. And uh, you know, he always said if if you don't if you don't like the deal, that's that's fine. But there are certain things being said that that simply aren't true, or that or that aren't going to happen, or that or aren't being portrayed accurately, or or maybe some misconceptions in the public. And and something always stuck with me. That, that he said that night during the course of our segment. And it, I already respected him quite a bit, but it made my respect for him grow. And perhaps, I mean, politicians uh, take a lot of flack. Sometimes they deserve it, but I, I do think most of them have their hearts in the right place and are, are, are trying to do good. And and Brian Anderson basically said to me, Reed, there are something like 10,000 pages worth of documents as it pertains to the arena deal. And I've read them all. And it's my job to read them all so everybody else doesn't have to. And he was basically saying, uh, you know, if you think you know more than I do about what's going on here or have studied as much, you probably haven't. And that was uh, uh, pretty Honest statement and a pretty honest reminder of of the work that he put in. A very passionate guy about the city of Edmonton, and certainly about the Edmonton sports scene. So we wish our, our we send our condolences to Brian Anderson and his family and loved ones. Certainly a great Edmontonian. He, he stepped away from public life in in 2017 after being on councilor for on, on council for almost 20 years. He retired from teaching and coaching in 98, and then jumped right into city council that same year. So almost 20 years on. City Council, six consecutive terms. And in uh, 2019, a uh, South Edmonton park was uh, named the Brian Anderson Athletic Grounds to honor his contributions. You can get more on 630 chcom globalnews.ca. And as I mentioned, Tim uh, Anger's coming up uh, in about five or six minutes here on Inside Sports. Thank you very much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We are into the long weekend. I'm always happy to hear from you at 780 496 0063. That is the number to both call and text. Uh, we'll have some cool segments tonight. The Kentucky Derby is tomorrow we have an Alberta owned horse in the race attachment rate co-owned by Jerry Isbister. And yes, that is the father of Brad Isbister who used to play in the National Hockey League. So Jerry will tell us uh, because of Jerry's travel schedule, I actually recorded this with him uh, yesterday. He was traveling most of today to get to the Derby. He was spending some time in, uh, in Seattle working and uh, then heading to uh, Kentucky today, but he's going to tell us a little bit about attachment rate who is definitely a long shot in the race. Tis the law, the, the overwhelming favorite going into the Derby tomorrow. But uh, we'll have the story behind Jerry getting into the world of owning racehorses and uh, also the story of attachment race, uh, attachment rate a little bit later on. There's a new book coming out. It's got a cool title, Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back. Who has ever felt like that? subtitled Dilemmas of the Modern Fan, uh, co-authored by Kavitha Davidson and Jessica Luther, and both of them will join us on Inside Sports as well. That should be pretty fun. Well, speaking of fun, an absolute epic series and epic game seven, and it was played this afternoon at Rogers Place. Colorado came back from 3-1 down to force the seventh game And this was another one full of big plays, of big saves, of momentum shifts, and ultimately it is Dallas getting the victory. Who had Yoel Kivaranta as one of the heroes of the 2020 playoffs? I'll give you a hint. I did not. He got a hat trick today. He scored early in the second period. That tied the game at two. He scored late in the third period to tie it at four, and then he scores at 724 of overtime. And just a, another one of many amazing sequences in the third period of this game. Nemesnikov put the uh, Colorado ahead 4-3 at sixteen twenty 20 the third. Late goal. Colorado's looking good. Ten seconds later, Kivaranta ties it. And then in overtime, Dallas gets some pressure, gets the cycle going on the forecheck. Andre Sekrup, the former Oilers defenseman who we know is really good at passing the puck, gets set up behind the net in Gretzky's office and he feeds a pass through to Kivaranta who whapped it in for the hat-trick goal for the series winner. Dallas takes it 5-4. Kivaranta after the game on his big performance.
0: This is the moment do you dream about when you're a young kid and Today was the day when I played first game seven in my life and didn't know, like, what to expect. Like, it was just a normal hockey game for me.
1: All right. Well, yeah, a performance to remember. In in for uh, Andrew Cogliano, I saw uh, Bob Stauffer tweeted out this uh, afternoon, Bob having a little bit of fun, that, uh, well, did Bob take it down? It was up there. It was pretty funny that uh, Andrew Cogliano got Wally pipped by Kivaranta. Of course, the story of the uh, player who came out of the lineup for Lou Gehrig, who then went on to play over twenty-one hundred consecutive games. Anyway, uh, good stuff there, and just just an absolutely uh, incredible game. Like like it just I mentioned, it, so many storylines. The the Colorado goaltending down to their third string goalie and Hutchinson comes in and, and is able to help them rally in the series. The outstanding play of McKinnon and McCarr, some of the uh, old war horses for Dallas. I guess you'd put Sekra in that category, but Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski and you know Jamie Benn and just a whole bunch of guys going at it for that entire series. Gurianna, a great story for the Dallas Stars. So Dallas moves on and they play the winner of Vancouver and Vegas and that series faces off, uh, game seven of that series faces off, seven o'clock at Rogers Place. So uh, we will keep you updated and the east final still to be decided and that's tomorrow the islanders and the flyers the flyers staying alive with another overtime victory last night so it looks like the nhl is just going to keep rolling here game one of the west final on sunday and then the east final to start on monday so uh just they'll just keep rolling probably no days off until maybe one of the conference finals potentially goes longer than the other and uh, I would guess probably a day or two between the conference finals and the Stanley cup final, but just constant hockey. And most of it's been pretty entertaining. Okay. We going to take a quick timeout. We'll bring in Tim anger with some memories of Brian Anderson. When we get back. <laughs> Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays in action this evening. They trail the Red Sox one uh, nothing. That game is in the uh, top of the third. Actually, the uh, second game of uh, a doubleheader earlier today the the, uh, blue jays won the first game eight seven they're playing seven inning doubleheaders in the uh, pandemic affected season this year was mentioning off the top of the show we uh, sadly today say farewell to uh, brian anderson the uh, legendary coach in the city of edmonton longtime city counselor passing away at the age of 78 and to share some memories the executive director of football alberta it is tim anger tim i wish it was under better circumstances but thanks for coming on the show tonight how are you doing
2: Oh, doing doing fine under the circumstances. Uh, coach will be missed for sure, but uh, it's great to be able to reflect on his life.
1: Yeah, well, such an important figure for for so many people, and uh, as a coach and an, a, as a teacher, that that's what I'm cool seeing. So many uh, adults writing about the, you know the Brian Anderson they knew when when they were in their teens, and I know you continued a relationship with Brian into adulthood, but it started for you uh, back in the early '80s, didn't it?
2: yeah i was uh living in the southwest a lot of us went to harry and lee high school and coach anderson had already been uh you know quite established as a as a legendary coaching figure by that time and it was a you know it was an honor to to, to, to play for the man but but it was even better just to learn i mean there's thousands of us out there right now not everybody you know <clears throat> that he coached got to go play pro but but there's literally thousands of us that I learned the value of, of uh, probably the most important thing he taught us is just doing all the little things that make things special for your students, your athletes, and things of that nature. I know, you know, all the things I've done at football, Albert, over the years have always had a touch of Coach Anderson in there because just trying to do the little things that that make it special, that make it important. I mean, he was quite clear, uh, you know, when you were there as a, as a student athlete that it didn't make you any better than anybody else in the school, but you were part of something special and it was something to be treasured.
1: What was it about his demeanor as a coach that made him such a successful coach? Do you think?
2: <laughs> well, I can still hear that gravelly voice, man. If you didn't <laughs> jump to when he started talking, you uh, there's something wrong with you. I mean, he was he was he was forceful. He was purposeful. He had a great sense of humor. Um, he didn't broker any nonsense, but at the, at the same time, it, there just was an aura about the man that just uh, brought on. Uh, you really wanted to perform for him. you really did you 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 know you 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 may have been kidding yourself in kind of the effort level you've put into things before, but uh, you know once you heard that voice, uh, you started to perform.
1: and uh, we we spoke briefly earlier today still up till still a great memory for you uh, almost forty years later, a city championship with Brian as your coach.
2: yeah, yeah it was, it was it was a great day I mean I remember uh, you know the uh, uh, the the bus trip to Old Clark Stadium, playing in the mud there against O'Leary, we won 12 to nine. I mean, it was it was it was just a special time. But, you know, the most poignant memory I have about him, believe it or not, since I've heard of his passing, was was his depth chart. I mean, uh, the, in the old office he had at Harry Ainley, he had a makeshift depth chart of uh, the football team on the back of his uh, office door, and all it really was was just a bunch of athletic tape with players' names on it. And, and you wanted to have your name on that, that tape. You wanted to have your name on that tape at the top of the list at your particular position. And it just drove us crazy. <laughs> Every time you opened that door, we wanted to see where our uh, position was during training camps and stuff, to see our names kind of go up and down with the basis of them ripping tape off the, off the door. But, but it was those kind of things, you know, the little things that made things special. You know, the basketball teams that he coached over the years, you know, always you always got your name up on the uh, on the wall, um, and that wasn't present in a lot of schools. I mean, a lot of schools do it now, but I think he was one of the first people that uh, that had your your name was in lights. And I tried, you know, year after year to make that basketball team. Finally, did it in grade twelve, and uh, and it was uh, you know it was one of the honors he bestows upon his athletes. Again, not to make you any better, but just to make it an incredible experience and something that you can you can cherish. And so that's you know kind of the lasting memory that. I know I share with a lot of people out there. I mean, ever since the news has come down, my phone's been uh, been ringing off the hook and texting with former buddies and former former coaches that uh, that uh, had an experience to to be part of it. I mean, the most courageous coaching thing I ever saw in my life is when Rick Gilson from Grand Prairie High School had to deal with the death of four of his players during the middle of the season and kind of guide his team and his community uh, you know as best he could and and did a completely outstanding job well guess who he was coached by you know he was another uh, Brian Anderson product and uh, and a lot of what uh, I've talked to Rick about today is just again the memories of what that man can instill in you to the character you can bring forward in leadership
1: Tim anger joining us executive director of football Alberta as we remember Brian Anderson is there anything and especially now when, in your role I mean obviously you've gone on to a, a pretty prominent position here with football Alberta Anything that Brian did that sort of changed—I uh, I don't know if coaching standards is there—is the right word. But you mentioned, you know, what a great coach he was, and and, and how he knew what he wanted. Is—is is there anything that he has done that is now kind of taught as uh, something that the, the, an approach that younger coaches should have?
2: Well, I think you know anybody who's ever was coached by him um, kind of recognizes. The kind of attention to detail that he always had, and uh, you know, I'm not saying other coaches at the time didn't have that, but 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 the detail of on the field and the off the field stuff. I mean, we had everything going for us there. We had you know team meals prior to games. I didn't, I haven't heard of anybody else doing that. We had uh, uh, rookie shows that uh, that kind of <laughs> allowed you to be initiated into the team in a uh, in a rather safe, non-hazing environment, but. But, again, something important to build the camaraderie in the teams. I tell you, one of the things that he doesn't get any credit for is he was one of the fathers of the, the modern-day high school provincials. Uh, there were four gentlemen, uh, Larry Wilson from Stettler, Gary DeMann from Calgary, Cliff Walters uh, from Lethbridge, all, you know, similar legends in their own areas, and Brian Anderson, who, who in 1985 brought forth, uh, you know, what is now ballooned blo- blo- into one of the, you know, biggest fall events we have every year, and... Uh, you know, it was, it, before we didn't have that because I can remember talking to Coach Anderson after our 1982 City Championship because was, as great as that was, we went back to the school and that was it. And we didn't get to go to Provincials. Meanwhile, there's the volleyball team packing up their stuff, waving at us on their way out the door. Yeah, we're out to Provincials. And, and he knew it was unfair at the time too. And so he spent a lot of his time in the early 80s working with other people around the province to get it going. So, you know, for anybody out there who's... Uh, participated in provincials, you owe Brian Anderson a, a debt of gratitude because it was guys like him that, that pushed it forward.
1: When he retired from teaching and coaching, were you surprised that he went into civic politics?
2: Uh, you know, a little bit, but then again, not really. I mean, the man <laughs> had a lot to give. You know, you can head out to the golf course if you want, or you can continue to, uh, to, to, to lead. And again, uh, you know, he had a good sense of knowing uh, I won't really call it unfairness, but just things that needed to be taken care of. We needed to get football into provincials. He took care of that. Uh, if you look around the city and look at all the artificial turfs out there, the ones in the woods, the ones at Jasper Place, Clairview, Clark, you know, they all have his fingerprints all over it. Plus, you know, the development of the rec centers. Why? Because he knew there was a need. I mean, we live in, you know, that always drove me nuts, especially in my early years at football Alberta. Uh, you know, recognizing that we, we're probably the, the the farthest north of any major city in, in North America that offers uh, a large scale of outdoor athletics, and yet uh, prior to Brian Anderson getting on council, we did not have a single artificial turf field. And uh, with our you know with the, the weather turning on us in October, it was just made no sense. I mean, how many times we played in mud holes and 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 uh, frozen fields, and and uh, thanks to him now, you know, since since he got his fingers on these things in the 2000s every athlete in football that plays deep into the season um, you know there are some teams that will never play a game on grass and uh, and that's <laughs> that again has his fingerprints all over it in terms of uh, you know I heard uh, former mayor Mandel say today there's there's a section of Emerson that doesn't have his fingerprints all over and that's 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 a good example of it and it's because that and among other things he he saw a need and he had more to give and he gave oh boy did that man give so we're very fortunate to have him as a citizen of the city.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tim, thanks for those memories and, and that perspective. Uh, man, it, it, it's, it's a tough day, but it, it is heartwarming to hear from people like you and, and see so many posts on social media of, of all the the positive impacts that, that Brian Anderson had on the city and on so many Edmontonians. Thanks for checking in tonight.
2: Not a problem. Thanks, Reed. That
1: is t- Tim Anger, the executive director of Football Alberta, as we remember, Brian Anderson. Back after the news. We missed a truly great Edmontonian Brian Anderson passing away at the age of 78. We just had some perspective from a gentleman who played for him in the early 80s and continued to deal with him as the executive director of Football Alberta. Tim Anger was just on the show. Brian Anderson, a great coach, great teacher, great city counselor. And uh, we lose him at the age of 78. That's a tough one. The hockey game was an absolute beauty. It was Dallas winning seventh game in overtime. Joel Kivaranta, third career playoff game, gets the hat trick. He tied it late in the third, won it at 7:24 of overtime. So Dallas advances. They play the winner of Vegas and Vancouver. That game coming up in about half an hour at Rogers Place. And the Blue Jays in action. They won the first half of their doubleheader against Boston 8-7. And they are trailing in the third inning, the second game of the doubleheader. Two nothing, seven innings for the doubleheaders there. Raptors back at it tomorrow, and uh, another game seven in the NHL tomorrow between Philly and the New York Islanders. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, I Appreciate some of the texts I've had coming in. Uh, remembering uh, Brian Anderson. Appreciate you sharing those memories with me uh, as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the number to call and text. Well, I started. Uh, I started seeing some Twitter activity uh, recently about. Uh, a book that was coming out, and I thought, well, my goodness, that looks like that could be fun to talk about. Uh, I love the title because just the title itself, I think, will spark uh, emotions in sports fans. (laughs) It is called Loving Sports When They Don't Love You Back, and I am pleased to welcome the co-authors of the book to the show, Kavitha Davidson and Jessica Luther. Good evening. How are you doing tonight?
3: doing well thank you for having us yes thank you
1: thanks a lot for popping on who's who's who here this is the first time we've ever chatted
3: sorry this is Kavitha
1: okay that's Kavitha and Jessica you're there as well well I'll I'll start with you Kavitha since you jumped in there before we get to the book I I, want to give the audience a chance to get know the, the the two of you a little bit Kavitha tell us a little bit about yourself your your sports background your sports media background
0: Sure. Yeah, Um, I'm a sports writer. I'm I'm born and raised in New York City, um, and right now I host uh, the Lead, which is the Athletics Daily national podcast. Um, And I am also just a sports writer. I have a sports business writing background.
1: And Jessica, what about you?
3: Yeah, I'm a freelance sports writer. I live in Austin, Texas, and. I guess I'm best known for working on gendered violence in sport. I helped break the Baylor football case a few years ago. People know that. I authored a book called uh, Unsportsmanlike Conduct, College Football and the Politics of Rape about four years ago. And I co-host a feminist sports podcast called Burn It All Down.
1: Okay. Awesome stuff. So, And whoever wants to jump in here, how, how do the two of you get to know each other? Do you have some uh, athletic, shared athletic or media background? Where's the connection come from?
0: It's it's really funny, actually. Um, we've obviously been asked this question a lot since um, since talking about this book. We met on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is is actually good for a couple of things. Read, I guess, if it if it showed us your book, that's one thing, and then it also connected uh, me and Jessica. We you know we've been I think we, we both started writing about sports professionally ar- around the same time. For me, it was around um, seven years ago, and you know a lot of what we both cover is kind of the intersection of. Sports and societal issues like Jessica said she writes a lot about um, sports and gendered violence and I've covered that a lot you know and and also sports and race and also business and things like that so we just found that we had similar interests and we we both love women's sports also we're both huge advocates for for women's sports so we just you know started to become part of the same conversations on Twitter and honestly I don't think we ever met in person until we had already signed a
3: book deal together
1: (laughs) oh wow
3: yeah that might be right yeah that sounds right
1: okay so which one of you uh, pitched this let's try and write a book together but never see each other
3: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's hard now to remember the origins of everything because it's been so many years it takes so long to write a book but i initially had just a a friend had brought me this idea you should write a book on all these different issues in sports and culture and i was like yeah okay but then kavita and i at some point were joking about those pieces that come out especially around the super bowl every year for geared towards women that are like how to talk about football with your boyfriend when the super bowl is on uh really you know imagining a sports fan especially if um that they're always men that women don't know anything about them that they need these kind of football 101 and we were joking that we should write like the opposite of that like how to talk to um your boyfriend when he doesn't know anything about sports and it sort of morphed over time into a more serious project as you've seen uh with the book probably our editor at ut press the university of texas press he's probably the one that steered that ship that direction uh but yeah it sort of just began as kind of a snarky joke
1: does one of you does one of you not have a spouse that is not a sports fan
3: my husband doesn't care at all about sports okay well as- I should I should say he has learned to watch tennis with me. And when we were in college, we went to Florida State University, which had a huge football program. But I went there to watch football, and I met him. And he didn't care at all. He'd never been to a football game. I didn't understand it. Uh, but he learned enough football so that he could go with me.
1: Okay, good. So, uh, well, that's good. Like you're you're living proof that we got to move past some of the some of the stereotypes, right? So, so that's that's pretty good, right? Uh, um, you know, I mentioned uh, off the top of the segment that the and, and uh, I I was I got a digital copy yesterday obviously I've not had time to read it but i I've, I've read some bits and pieces and and I, I mentioned when I was introducing the two of you loving sports when they don't love you back the, the title itself just kind of makes me laugh and smile a little bit um but you know scrolling through it there, there are some pretty serious topics uh, I still feel like you uh, you both inject some humor when appropriate. those are just my initial uh readings of of the tone how would how would the two of you sum it up
0: i mean yeah it's you know i think there are definitely chapters for example there's a chapter in there um, about loving your team when you hate your owner. So obviously we interviewed Knicks fans, we interviewed <laughs> Mets fans, um, we interviewed fans of the Washington football team. Um, a lot of fans, since um, since our book was published actually, have sent us tweets that, you know, like like the Sacramento Kings, was this just a book about the Kings or was this just a book about the Vikings, for example, about Vikings fans? Um, I think that there's something in here for, for every fan to kind of relate to. You know, there's obviously the, the very serious stuff, um, you know, We talk about concussions and we talk about when, you know, your favorite player has been accused of violence and and things like that and how to kind of reconcile those dilemmas. But there are various reasons why, you know, sports don't love us back sometimes. And, you know, they can can also include when you've got – Comically incompetent ownership, like with some of the teams <laughs> that I've just mentioned, um, and and also you know things like like if you're a taxpayer and your your money's going to stadiums instead of public services and things like that. But I, I wouldn't say it's a funny book, but you know we do try to at the very least we want to convey that we're both huge sports fans, and that's where this comes from is that we love these games and these teams so much, um, and sometimes they don't make that so easy on us.
1: Well, I mean, you have some some chapters that uh, tie into our market here in Edmonton. Uh, uh, living with the new stadium, you didn't want to pay for our hockey rink. Rogers Place was the subject of a big funding debate uh, a few years ago. And actually, you you probably heard me mention the city councilor that the, the former city councilor that passed away. He was a big, you know, advocate of of, of building the rink, but knew that it was uh, a tough one. Our 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 Canadian Football League uh, team. I don't know if the two of you heard about this was called the Edmonton Eskimos. That name is being retired. So we didn't have a racist mascot, but we had a name that uh, was making some people uncomfortable. So there definitely are some, some local ties here for Edmonton and Northern Alberta.
3: Yeah. And I would even say like there's a chapter on brain trauma in there. And I interviewed a woman for it who worked with CFL players and their wives and talked to them a lot about, um, how they manage brain trauma as a family and like well, and what that means so there's definitely canadian stuff within the book for sure
1: kavitha davidson and jessica luther joining us tonight on inside sports co-authors of the book loving sports when they don't love you back dilemmas of the of uh, of the modern fan I, i'm always curious too, just and i usually ask authors this when i have when i have them on the show because um It's not easy to 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 get a book published and then the work's not done because you have to do stuff like this and and market it and and get the word out. How has this portion of of, uh...
2: with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Of the journey been, has it been uh, what you expected or tell me a little bit about that?
0: Um, I would say that this is the fun portion, (laughs) um, even, even though there's been so much of it, um, and Jessica's always joking that we've heard each other's stories at this point so many times, um, but, but, you know, like, it really is like, first of all, it's just an honor to be able to talk about the book. It's an honor that people are reading it. Um, it only came out Tuesday and it feels like we've done 40 of these interviews. Um, but, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, it's just, um, it's, It's always a little bit of a trip what people want to know and how people want to ask us questions um, about about the process or about, you know, uh, how we how we chose these these topics. This is a particularly interesting time to be talking about our book about this particular book, and we didn't plan it that way. But with all of what we're seeing with athlete activism and with especially in America, um, the politics, literally the politics, like like the president inserting himself into some of these discussions about sports. You know, it's it, it's oddly timely, um, even though uh, you know we started writing this book several years ago.
1: Well, that's a really good point, and 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 you mentioned that in the introduction. This was a, a pre-COVID project that then led into COVID, and uh, obviously, and, and now we just saw a couple of weeks ago games being uh, last week games being postponed in in all the leagues because of uh, uh, because of protisms against race racism and and injustices and all those kinds of things. So yeah, it's certainly sort of uh, it it came out at an, an interesting time to insert itself. Well, what did the two of you think of that? Of of the NBA not playing, and then the NHL did play, and then got criticized for playing, and then missed the next day. You know, what what did you think of all that debate swirling around that process?
3: I think more than anything, it was really something to watch the NBA players, and then the WNBA, and the MLB, and uh, the MLS. All these players really stand up against racial injustice, but to show that they they're powerful that their workers themselves they can withhold their labor when people aren't listening and i know i find it very powerful and i understand the criticism around the nhl i mean the nhl has a lot of work to do around race in general so i can see that they are under a particular kind of spotlight um but i mean i found it in a moment when i feel a lot of despair and worry i found it to be a, a hopeful moment to see how when people collectively come together they can really force change and force a conversation
1: uh-huh. uh, l- let's have a little bit of fun here who are your favorite teams Jessica start with you
3: my favorite teams oh that's a good uh, I'm such a huge tennis fan so I always think about individual players but I guess favorite teams I went to Florida State so I tend to root for the Florida State team But I also live in Austin Texas so I'm a big University of Texas person and shout out to the Dallas Wings and the WNBA
1: Okay. Kavitha?
3: I'm New York
0: through and through. So I'm Yankees, Knicks, Rangers, Giants, uh, Liberty. Um, You know, some of those teams have done me extremely well over the years and some of them not so much. And, and, you know, hence I couldn't interview myself for the owner's chapter, but I did interview another Knicks fan. Um, And, yeah, those are
1: those are my teams. So, so not Islanders now, or they're, they're too far east there on Long Island?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm from Manhattan, I'm just going to say. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: All right, well, but you must be anti-Philadelphia, though. If you, so, you must well, be so going Islanders my, tomorrow. My best
0: friend is actually an Islanders fan, and I told her this is the first time that I'm actually rooting for you because the hatred for the Flyers runs so much deeper. Um, at least for for Rangers fans of my age, there's definitely a generation of Rangers fans uh, who who hate the Islanders way more than I do. Um, but yeah, we are we are rooting for the Islanders in this house right now.
1: <laughs> awesome stuff. Okay, so loving sports when they don't love you back and it, it just came out Tuesday so people can find it already ordered online. Yep,
3: every, anywhere you buy a book.
1: Okay. Well, thanks uh, Kavitha Jessica. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. All, all the best with this uh re- really cool project. Hope it does well for you and I hope we can talk again. Thanks for making time for us here in Edmonton. Thanks
0: Thank you so much on. for having us
1: right on that is Kavitha Davidson and Jessica Luther and uh, yeah loving sports when they don't love you back pretty cool project so they talked about uh, how they uh, how they got into that why they wanted to to write it and we'll uh, we'll see where it goes pretty interesting uh, pretty interesting topic for sure 780-496-0063 is how you can reach out by calling or texting it is inside sports on 630 Chet. I right, appreciate you tuning in tonight into the long weekend we go. Thanks for starting it here on inside sports. Always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Barry has written in with some memories of uh, Brian Anderson, who has passed away at the age of 78. Barry says, Hey, I went to Ainley when Brian was teaching and coaching. I graduated in 1974. At the time we had a great rivalry with Bonnie Doon, and playoffs were on. He called a pep rally in the gym on the day before we had to play Bonnie Dune. It was awesome. And is one of the memorable times you take with you through life. He talked about how the game would depend on where our strong back Gus Yusick would go versus their strong Brack. Uh, he worked the crowd into a frenzy and it was such a great high school memory. We won. happy trails coach. That is from Barry. I Man, Barry, I hope I said the, uh, the name right in there, Gus Yusick. I hope I said that properly, but that is, that is really cool. And who is this one from? I'm not sure who this one is from, but this person says, Reed, Brian was an amazing coach at Ainley. We had this guy, Joe King in 1973, who just excelled at everything in sports. One time we were in the West Gym and Joe kicked a volleyball. It ricocheted off the ceiling I-beam to the wall and into the basketball hoop. Brian couldn't believe it. He laughed and laughed and laughed. That is quite the bank shot. So uh Joe King kicks the, was it a volleyball he kicked? He kicked a volleyball off the ceiling, off the wall, and uh, through the hoop. I don't know if it was an intended shot, but it certainly worked out. That's a pretty cool memory. Somebody texting in with something they remember from high school back in 1973. I really appreciate that. Yeah, Brian's going to be missed. Again, we're hearing a lot of stuff, uh, huge impact on a lot of people's lives, and uh certainly continued to do that as uh, a city councillor. And like... Like Tim Enger said, a lot of the, the football field, sports facilities, uh, Brian had an impact in, in getting those going or upgrading them or getting them built, and that's, that's really cool to hear about for sure. There is uh, still another Game 7 to come today after Dallas beat Colorado in overtime this afternoon at Rogers Place. Vegas and Vancouver coming up. Now Thatcher Demko, chance to uh, continue to be a hero for the Vancouver Canucks. He's going to be in goal once again. And Vegas was up three games to one. Now they're going to game seven. Here's their head coach, Peter DeBoer.
4: Well, you know, it, it's unavoidable on the path to the Stanley Cup to avoid a game seven, I would think, you know, for the most part. Um, so, you, you know, this adversity's coming and you've got to uh, uh, welcome it and embrace it and, uh, and uh, you know, find a way to move on. You, you know, you, you, there's always moments after a successful year when you look back and go, okay, you know, we, we really uh, uh, were in one there and faced some adversity and, and found a way to uh, to uh, rely on our foundation and and uh, our leadership and our compete and, and plowed our way through and went on to bigger and better things. So um, I think that's any successful team's journey. Uh, so you knew this was coming at some point. Uh, if we want to be one of those teams, we've got to handle that.
1: All right, that is Peter DeBoer of the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, of course, quite a a shift for him because he is the former coach of the San Jose Sharks. And last year in the spring, when we had hockey being played at its usual time, uh, he was the coach of the San Jose Sharks and went seven games against Vegas and uh, had that, controversial penalty call and they went to seventh game overtime and it was the Sharks who would advance uh, in that one so anyway just the, the ties there are interesting and for Dallas don't forget Dallas last year went to game seven overtime in the second round against st. Louis and had a couple of pretty close calls and almost won the series on a couple of occasions and then Patrick Maroon eventually scored in overtime for the Blues and the Blues go on to win the Stanley Cup. So much so much tension in the playoffs, so many storylines. It's been fun to watch. All right, we got a break for the news. A little bit of Kentucky Derby talk when we get back. Jerry Mister, is the co-owner of Attachment Rate, first Alberta-owned horse in the Derby since 2006. Jerry is the father of Brad, who used to play in the NHL and was an Edmonton Oiler. He's coming up.